the Islanders have an effective, a very effective power play, and it's influencing wins and losses. <laughs> Lane Lambert might be deserving of a huge mea culpa. Going through the uh, Long Island routine, getting to know the passion they have for for the team. Um, that's what I'll remember the most. Now. How about a salad, buddy? Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 175, and wishing everybody a very happy and a very healthy holiday season. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross, and in this episode, I'll go over a lot of the positives we've seen on this season-high six-game homestand and, and still some of the lingering Negatives, uh, there are some getting fewer and fewer each day as this team keeps winning. But uh, the, the, this homestand also saw the return of former Islander Ross Johnson, and I made it to the Ducks practice at UBS Arena on Tuesday for a one-on-one with Big Ross, which will play. And of course, your questions for Andrew's answers, but hey, Let's start out with the acknowledgement that this team is very much making things very, very interesting in a, in a couple of ways. First, like I said, they've they've been winning, so they're they're climbing the playoff standings. And uh, by interesting, there's been a lot of games that have come down to uh, you know the proverbial final play, uh, six on five goals going the other way to tie it up. Uh, that was the Maple Leafs game with 6.4 seconds to go. Uh, overtime winners in, in two straight games, uh, rallying against the Ducks. Uh, everything it, it's it, everything seems to be coming down to the third period, late in the third period, and. In overtime, not very easy for moi as a sports writer to collect my thoughts and get stories in as soon as the buzzer sounds. But hey, that's not your problem. That's uh, that, that's my road to try and drive down. And uh, but uh, from a, a viewing standpoint, very interesting games, very entertaining, and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun around the Islanders for the the past month or so, really. And as we speak, or as I speak, the Islanders uh, stand at 14-7-7. And And yeah, you know, uh, by my math, that's still 500 because they've won 14 and they've lost 14. But that's not the way the NHL sees it. Their uh, point percentage puts them amongst the uh, better teams in the NHL. Um, They, like I said, were... On a six-game homestand, depending when you get to listen to this, it started 4-0-1. That's four straight wins. Um, And overall, uh, the 4-0-1 start to the homestand put the Islanders on a 6-0-1 run. Uh, As I speak, they had launched themselves into second place in the Metropolitan Division. They stood four points behind the rival Rangers, and overall, since November 15th, they were 9-1-4, and And if you remember, November 15th was in the midst of that uh, Western swing where uh, the team was in Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle, 
and Calgary. Uh, it was in the midst of an 0-4-3 stretch. It was in the midst of UBS crowds chanting for Lane Lambert to be fired. It was in the midst of UBS crowds chanting for President GM Lou Lamarillo to be fired. And uh, it, it now seems sort of like a long time ago. Uh, like I said, 914, that's points in 13 out of 14 games. It's a very good pace. The last time we spoke, they were sort of uh, at a point-per-game pace, which in an 82-game season is not going to get you close to the playoffs. Uh, a much better point percentage now. And it's pretty much what Lane Lambert kept repeating uh, during, you know, uh, the 4 and 3 stretch, which was, you know, the, he, he liked the way they were playing for the most part. Uh, the, the blown leads, the third period blown leads, and they're up to 10 now uh, in the third period where they've been unable to hold on to a lead. Um, he, he was insisting he was seeing good things out of the game, and he kept saying, you never know in this league, you have a good week, and uh, you're right back in the middle of it. And uh, the, the coach was borne out uh, with that because the Islanders are very much right back in the middle of it. And, uh, again, I said, you know, there's been a lot of positives uh, that we've seen lately and still some lingering negatives. I'll take the Ducks game uh, on Wednesday, which turned into a 4-3 win. But you're up 2 nothing on a Ducks team that, coming into the game, had lost 11 of 12 in regulation. You're up 2-0 in the second period. You're out shooting the Ducks 19-7, and all of a sudden, uh, three fluky goals. Uh, I'll say fluky because you know, one went off of uh, Robert Bartuzzo's uh, inside of his skate. Uh, there was another block shot where the puck just sort of kept going towards the crease and Adam Henrique was able to knock it in. And then Sam Bolduc got his stick on Sam Carrick as he shot from the, uh, uh, from the, the high slot and Semyon Varlamov was, he seemed like he was partially screened by Bolduc, but also the, the puck kind of fluttered off Carrick's stick after, uh, after Bolduc's stick had hit Carrick's stick. So uh, if that sounds like I'm making excuses, I'm just saying it, it was three three goals that put the Ducks up where something weird happened to the puck to, to kind of change directions uh, in the course of the shot. Um, but still, you're up 2-0 and, and, and dominating against a Ducks team that has not won seemingly in forever, and to to be down 3-2 in the third period, just sort of, that there was a little bit of here we go again, uh, except they didn't go again, right? Uh, the Islanders, when they were, uh, when they were conference, uh, you know, conference championship level in, in 20 and 21, one of the things they always talked about, one of the things Barry Trotz always talked about was being comfortable in uncomfortable spots, meaning in these tight third period games, they would find a way. And that had not been the reality for much of this season. It's starting to feel like that again. Uh, the Islanders were down 3-2 to the Ducks. They get a power play goal, and, and if you talk about positives, uh, at one point the Islanders had scored a power play goal 
in uh, nine of twelve games, and they're uh, they were up at like thirty four percent over that twelve game stretch, and that you know, that would have led the NHL. And uh, how long have we been screaming that this team needs an effective power play? Well, this year, thanks to uh, Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell and Noah Dobson and Brock Nelson, and uh, you know, to name four of the five. Uh, along with Kyle Palmieri uh, on the on the first unit, the Islanders have an effective, a very effective power play, and it's influencing wins and losses for them, as we all knew it would, just as it influenced wins and losses the negative way when it was not connecting in seasons past. So uh, that certainly is among the, uh, one of the positives as well. But uh, I, I mentioned Matthew Barzell and Noah Dobson, and uh, both of them are averaging more than a point per game. Uh, you got to figure both right now would be probably the leading candidates uh, to be All-Stars, to represent the Islanders over the All-Star weekend in Toronto. Uh, I believe that's uh, early February, I want to say. Um, and, and Bo Horvat. You could add his name. He certainly deserves to be an all-star as well. Uh, Horvat is darn well nearly averaging a point per game. And, and meanwhile, Nelson has 12 goals in 28 games, and that equates, uh, by my awful math, that equates to a 35-goal pace. And, you know, Brock has made no secret that he would like to hit 40 goals in his career, um, and I think that gives him a chance again. It's not only that these guys are scoring, it's when these guys are scoring. Barzell uh, had a game-tying power play goal against the Ducks, set up a one-timer set up by Bo Horvat, um, who, you know, if he wasn't playing on on a power play with Noah Dobson, would be really recognized as for, for being the tremendous uh, playmaker-distributor that, that he can be. But Noah Dobson is... Uh, at the blue line, just really having a superior season uh, on the power play, distributing the puck. Horvat has an OT winner against the Maple Leafs. Uh, J.G. Pajot has the OT winner against the Kings, and Dobson had the assist on that. Um, I mentioned Noah Dobson on the power play. Uh, I, I spoke to him and some of his teammates this week just about his distribution. And, you know, I was talking to Bo Horvat about why the power play is going so well. And he mentioned the familiarity he has with, uh, with Matthew Barzell. And, uh, he, he was talking about pucks going in the net. And, uh, and then I said, and, and how about Noah's distribution? <laughs> and Bo sort of chuckled and he said, and yeah, and that's probably the main reason. So, uh, um, everything going smoothly on the power play, and that that's a really good sign. Again, like I said, some of the uh, the the main negative that I see is it, it's still like like against the Ducks, they still couldn't hold that two goal lead. So they they're making everything interesting, which you know it's not always going to work out well for them when they make things interesting. It would be a you know, a lot less boring, but probably, uh, you know, a lot better for them if they could grab these leads and, and hold on to them more often than not. Um, maybe they'll get there. But look, what, what, what I'm trying to say here is uh, I think Lane Lambert might be deserving of a huge mea culpa 
Uh, and by extension, probably Lou Lamorello as well. And like I said, UBS crowds chanting for, you know, fire Lambert and, uh, you know, fire Lamorello, although that doesn't roll off the tongue as well, too many syllables. Um, but there were successive games where there were calls for the uh, management's heads, essentially. And uh, since then, uh, Lambert has shown why Lou Lamarillo has such faith in him. Uh, it, it's sort of like January last season, right? Uh, Lambert, uh, the team's having a really rough stretch. Looks like the team's just no way he's going to make the playoffs fall out of it. And the, uh, Lambert kept his team focused by uh, through that January stretch. The players talked about how how he kept them engaged, you know, kept it light at times, uh, focused them at times, and, uh, you know, got on them at times. And it just kind of pushed the right buttons for the team to eventually turn around. And uh, it, it certainly seems like that's what's happened this season. You know, Lane, as far as the media is concerned, probably, you know, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt as, say, someone like Barry Trotz. And, you know, this is just a media bias because Barry was very, very media friendly in the way he would engage with us and chat us up and, you know, just fill our notebook and regale us and and make us feel like we were being sucked in with him. And, And Lane Lambert... Um, is just not that way. And, and, and that's not a negative on Lane Lambert. Uh, he's doing his job the best he knows how. Um, but again, when, when Lane is not fully engaging with the media and is kind of, you know, uh, giving half answers and stuff like that, it sometimes becomes a little harder to defend him or to portray him because the media is really a conduit to the fans, right? Um, it, it's sometimes hard for us to convey to the fans exactly what it is about this guy that the players like so much because um, that's really kept in-house for the most part. So again, uh, uh, long story short, I, I think Lane Lambert is pr- pretty deserving of a, a, a mea culpa here um, because he has shown that he's going to keep this team in it. And, you know, by extension, probably Lou Lamorello, too. Uh, Lou moved very swiftly uh, with all the injuries on defense. And you got Adam Pellick on long-term injured reserve. It certainly seems like a left arm or a left wrist. He's got his left wrist wrapped. Um, It certainly seems like, you know, on long-term injured reserve, it's going to be a bit before Adam Pellick makes it back. Now Ryan Pulak is on IR. Sebastian Ajo got hurt uh, along with Pellick in a bang-bang fashion up in Ottawa on November 24th. But the Islanders went 6-1-2 with both Pellick and Ajo out of the lineup after both got hurt in the first period. And I'm including that 5-3 win against the Senators because essentially the Islanders played with four defensemen that game. Um, Mike Riley was claimed off waivers by Lou on November 25th. Uh, they went 5-1-2 and two after Riley was claimed off waivers. And then Lou, when Ryan Pulak went on uh, IR, um, he, he, he swapped a seventh-rounder to, uh, to the Blues for Robert Bortuzzo. The, the Blues were not using Bortuzzo, but uh, Bortuzzo has stepped 
right into the Islanders lineup. They've gone 3-0-0 in the first uh, few games after acquiring him. I, I think a huge amount of credit is due to assistant coach Doug Huda um, and the entire coaching staff. Doug you know, handles the defenseman, but the entire coaching staff for acclimating these guys so quickly. And if you talk about, you know, what Lane Lambert is doing well, um, he's getting the guys to, to, to buy in uh, to what he's selling. Uh, and, and that's when you know, you know, a coach has run his course is when the players start tuning him out. And there's none of that. And, and I take you back to the Anaheim Ducks game late in the third period, about five minutes left. Um, it's 3-3. Like I said, Matthew Barzell uh, had tied it on the power play. And, and then uh, Leo Carlson, uh, the Ducks rookie, had what appeared to be a, a, a looming grade A chance from the, from the slot. High slot. He looked like he was going to get a really good look, and all of a sudden, here's Matthew Barzell, and sort of sells out, and he blocks the shot, and the puck goes right out of the uh, uh, the Islanders' zone without further damage. And uh, look, I, I just thought that was tremendous buy-in. I, I talked to Barzy about it after the game, and he said, you know, obviously, the, and you know, he said the boys like it when he scores, and you know, honestly, that's what he's being paid to do, but. Uh, you know, when he blocks shots like that and he gets the kudos on the bench, he said it gives him the energy to want to block another shot. And it was interesting because just that morning, um, Lane Lambert was being asked about why Matthew Barzell was not uh, being used uh, in the six and five situations against the Islanders, you know, so maybe Barzy could uh, score an empty netter. And, and Lane specifically said because he didn't want you know, Barzy at risk out there trying to block shots. And, you know, I, I understand what Lane Lambert's saying. You know, this is your bread and butter offensive, you know, star. And uh, you don't want him hurt blocking a shot trying to defend against the six on five. But uh, I do think the Islanders uh, might need to revisit that because uh, a couple of empty net goals and, and, you know, maybe they're in first place right now. <laughs> uh, like I said, you know, the, the negatives, this is very much like covering the NBA with the Islanders because everything is coming down into the last minute. Um but uh, it, it, talking about that Ducks game, Simon Holmstrom, my God, <laughs> what a season this kid's having, uh, you know, already a career high in goals, um, but four of them have come shorthanded, he's leading the NHL, Matthew Barzell dubbed him the shorthanded king, um, and uh, Holmstrom wins it with a shorty. Uh, against the Ducks, albeit with Simeon Varlamov uh, skating off the ice for an extra skater as uh, Holmstrom is a penalty killer. There was a delayed call against the Ducks, so it was sort of evened up, and, uh, you know, the Ducks obviously couldn't score on the power play there, so, but still counts as a shorthanded goal. And uh, again, I think I've said this before, Holmstrom's development this season is one of the key uh, talking points of what's gone right for the Islanders. He is, he's really come in, come into his own as a functional NHL player. Again, I, I don't know that he's ever going to be a top six forward, but certainly uh, very usable as a, uh, you know, bottom six penalty killer. And he, and he's, you know, chipping in. And speaking of, you know, the bottom six, there is the curious case of Matt Martin, who's back on IR. 
He's uh, missed 13 games and counting as we speak. And uh, I, I, I don't know when Matt gets back into the lineup. I say curious case. Uh, you know, he's continued practicing and participating in morning skates through two stints on the IR. He was activated. I said to him the, the day he was activated, he wasn't in the lineup. And I remember, I think that was in Carolina, or it was on the road, and I went over to his locker. We could finally talk to him. You're not allowed to talk to players when they're on IR. And I said, you know, my presumption is when you uh, get activated off of IR, you usually it's usually to go back into the lineup. And Matt sort of rolled his eyes and said, yeah, you could presume that. Um, I, I, I just think they're sort of hiding... Or, you know, they, they're not, they're trying not to embarrass Matt Martin because he's clearly lost his spot on the fourth line and he's lost his spot uh, in the lineup. He was not playing a ton of minutes when he was in the games. I, I, I think they're trying to show some respect and, and not make it seem like he's a consistent, healthy scratch. But, you know, uh, you, you don't have to have been around the block too many times sort of to uh, suss out what's going on here. And look, Simon Holmstrom, uh, you talk about the bottom six, Simon Holmstrom was one of the players along with Julian Gauthier and Hudson Fashing and Oliver Wallstrom, who's been out of the lineup for a while too now. Um, those are the guys that Lou Lamarillo opted to keep instead of Ross Johnson, uh, who had been with the Islanders for six seasons, was absolutely beloved by his teammates and still beloved by his ex-teammates. Um, like I said, I, I got a chance to talk to him. Uh, now, just keep in mind, I talked to him before he actually got a chance to face the Islanders. So some of his answers are, you know, presuming some things. But uh, I, again, here's, uh, here's my chat with Ross Johnson. I guess let me just start where I left off from you because, I mean, none of us got to say a proper goodbye, yep. right? It, what was that? You know, it, it was quick. You were on waivers, and then you were an Anaheim Duck. And <laughs> yeah, Lou, Lou was unbelievable about it. He gave me a little heads up, and yeah. I'm not naive. I know the situation. You can, you, yeah. can, you can see what, like, e each and every year you're kind of here to prove a spot. And mm -hmm. This year um, it got tighter and tighter, and they went a different direction. But yeah. um, I can't thank Lou enough. He's always been honest with me, and I've been honest back. And yeah. um, I think that's healthy relationship in itself. So I had a little idea. He gave me a heads up that it was coming, and like you said, it happens quick when you put on waivers and yeah. you're unsure if someone's going to claim you, and then all of a sudden you're claimed and you're going all the way across the country. So um, a lot of goodbyes that weren't said, but um, hopefully I'll see a lot of familiar faces over, I guess, the next 48 hours and um, say hello, say goodbye, yeah. and bring up old conversations and um, reminisce. So I'm happy to be back. Um, still feels like home a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it's quite sunk in. When you walk back into the rink, it kind of feels like you're just back at another game day here rather than on the away team. But yeah. um, well, I'm, was, I'm real happy with that. I was going to ask you what it was like to be on that. I, I mean, being in this room, I'm sure this is your first time seeing this. Or? Yeah, honestly, it just feels like I'm in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you walk in the room, the room's very identical. It yeah. doesn't really feel like you're at UBS, but... Um, yeah. Jump back on the ice, it's nice. It's yeah. real nice. But um, different restrooms, obviously, that being said, we have a job to do tomorrow. Yeah. Well, tell me about this team and, you know, how, we, how you think you fit in here. Well, when you first 
knew you were claimed by the Ducks. I know they had had some injuries at the time, which is why they were interested. What kind of opportunity, maybe more of an opportunity than you had gotten with the Islanders, did you see? Um, I think you see it from the, the games I played already. I mean, there wasn't much action last year, and mm-hmm. um, the only way to get better, is, unfortunately, is in-game action. And yeah. we, we beat the dead horse with asking what you can improve on and so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, you got to play games. So early on here, I've been able to get in um, more games. I got in all last year. So yeah. just right there, that's that's helped my own development and um, just keep moving forward as a player. And uh, the Ducks give me that opportunity. Did you, you know, some guys immediately look at the schedule, see when they're playing their – did you do that? Right away. Yeah? Right away. What are, what are, what are the emotions? You know, getting to face you know your friends. So, um, ask me that tomorrow night, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's still sinking in. You go out yeah. there, and it's a hockey game, and um, at one point or another, whether we're having beers or whatever, I've wrestled with every one of those guys. So, um, it'd be no different trying to hit them tomorrow <laughs> night. So, um, there'd be no hard feelings both ways. But yeah. um, it's a hockey game, so I'll go out there, hit, hit whoever I can, and. We'll laugh about it after. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously, you know, one of your roles, or, you know, has been to protect teammates, right? How, when you come into a new group, how, how easy is it to do it immediately, you know, for, for guys that you're still getting to know of? Yeah, I think um, the human element is that you're, you're you're protecting all your friends and yeah. you develop relationships over the over the years. But um, the professional element of it and the business side of it is that you have to come in and do your job right away, whether you know the guys or not. So mm-hmm. um, I think it becomes easier and easier as you get closer to the guys and you you back up a little bit bit quicker, maybe when um, something happens to them. But um, like I said, the professional side of things, you're going to have to shut your head on and, and do it right away when you go to a new team. And just, when you look back at your time with the Islanders, what what really stands out to you? You know, is it the friendships? Was it the maybe not playing as much as you wanted to? You know, how do you put a bow on, you know, your career with the Islanders? Um, I don't think I look back at maybe the, the playing aspect. There's a lot of years there where I, I was kind of the, the extra. I guess most of the time there I was the extra, but... Um, when I look back, I don't really think about those times. Mm-hmm. Um, we chatted earlier. I, got, I have a house here. Um, the memories I've created here, the friends um, on the team that I'm very close with still. Um, but just, like I said, living in Garden City, doing the day-to-day, going through the uh, Long Island routine, getting to know the passion they have for for the team. Um, that's what I'll remember the most. And that's, that's what I think back to more than maybe the bad times um it's funny you, you do forget about the bad times when you leave yeah. um so yeah i, I just cherish uh, i guess the friendships i made you know we, we, we were talking about this but coming from pei i know new york was kind of a a little bit of a culture shock how, how different is is california well yeah we went from pei to new york that was zero to 100 and then we go to California, and that's just a different animal. Not a different animal, just a laid-back, as you heard, Cali lifestyle. So I'm checking off all the boxes. I feel like I'm skipping everyone in between. But uh, it, it's a cool experience. Like I said, if you would ask me or ask my parents when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 years old that um, I'd be playing in New York and playing in California, and 
maybe come to see me in both places. Uh, they just wouldn't have believed you're obviously right. So um, I'm getting her all done, and like I said, keep chugging along here and see where we end up next. <laughs> you know, we always sort of joke on the East Coast about how easy the travel is for teams like the Islanders and the Re- Lake. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's late nights. I'd say the biggest thing is the time zone jumping. Yeah. I mean, it's great when you go back, you gain. Yeah. But you, you get home at, let's say, 2 a.m. Cali time. But let's say you're coming from Chicago, it's it's 5 a.m., mm-hmm. 5.30 in the morning, right? Yeah. It's a four-and-a-half-hour play, and, and that's an in-conference game. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. I mean, I think one night we went to... Uh, Vancouver, and you're in the same time zone then. So you don't change back if you're home at 4 a.m. in a division game. Well, that's still a three, four-hour flight. Division right? game. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's a different animal. Yeah. yeah, the sleep schedule is no such thing in the West. No. No such thing. Now, there is some stretch where you're home for a while. Yeah. That would be a huge pro. Like, when you're gone, you're gone for a while, but when you're, you're home, you're home for long stretches, so that part is nice. Have, have you guys played the Kings yet, or... Played the Kings, but not in L.A. Oh, okay. We said that we had them at home. Uh, I was just curious your thoughts, like how Ducks-Kings compares to Islanders-Rangers. Honestly, it's pretty well the exact same. Yeah. Like, New York's going to hate that one. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it is similar. Like, uh, L.A. Um, fans flood into um, the Honda Center, and yeah. I assume it'll be the exact same when we go the other way. Yeah. So, um you can, you can sense it, too, amongst the guys. There is that rivalry. Yeah. Like, the... Uh, this is our turf type thing. So, yeah, it is a very similar logic and kind of the same thing. We're both two teams 45 minutes apart again. Yeah. So, it's, again, we're checking boxes of similarity, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the traffic between those two places is about as bad as getting off the island to try and go to Madison Square Garden getting down the freeway. One thing you have, though, on the island or on island and the city is the train station yeah, if yeah. you need to. Yeah. That part yeah. kind of save you out there. You're. Yeah. You're subject to it. Yeah, you're yeah. stuck in it. Yeah. Better hope you have a passion for the HOP lane. <laughs> I, I asked you about Brent Thompson before. How important was that when you walked into this team to, to have that familiar face? Yeah, I think it all goes back to you kind of saying, like, how do you do your job when you go to a new team? But when you have familiar faces like Tom, or I had him for three, almost three years in the American League. Yeah. You kind of pick up some old conversations, some old jokes, some old humor, and that stuff's nice. That yeah. stuff is nice. So, I mean, Tom has been great, and um, as an assistant, um, he's doing a great job. I know guys like him, so um, I'm kind of laughing at him more than other guys are because I understand his humor more and his shitty jokes. But uh, <laughs> the guys are start, starting to get on to him now, where they, they understand him too, which is pretty funny. Yeah, just, you know, now that you've gotten past today, you know, how excited are you for tomorrow? I, I'm super excited. Like I said, yeah. I mean, going through the whole experience, and you asked me how it's going to be. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know how it's going to be till I get out there tomorrow. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm out there tomorrow. Hopefully, I talk to you after, and I have a different answer for you. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Always great chatting with Ross. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed my time covering him when he was with the Islanders. He is literally as good a person as it seems. I know, you know, he makes a living really, you know, throwing down his gloves and throwing punches. But uh, as is usually the case in the NHL, the fighters are are the biggest teddy bears. And uh, I, I really, 
I really enjoyed catching up with Ross and, you know, like he was saying, getting a chance to say goodbye because I didn't. You know, it was very quick when he was put on waivers. He was just gone. So, um, you know, good spending a couple of minutes with Ross. And now let's go see what's on your mind. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we'll start off with a slew of questions here about uh, someone who right now is considered an ex-Islander, but may not be for long. And so I'll just read these out and give my thoughts. Um, NL King says, are you hearing anything about Zach Parisi joining the Islanders? Will Forthman says, what's the deadline for Parisi to return to be eligible to play in the playoffs? Apparently he's skating in Minnesota. Um, and let's see, uh, uh, do you even want to mess up what's going on right now for the Islanders? And Jonathan Rizzi says, if Zach Parisi comes back, who gets sent down, sat, traded? Raymond wants to know, any thoughts on the rumors Zach Parisi is looking to return to the Islanders? Who's the odd man out if that happens? Fashing or Gauthier? Uh, is Wally going to be traded? And finally, Joe says, rumors flying about Parisi returning. Here's a question. Who sits? Love Zach, but unless injury and Wallstrom goes down too, no room. We are rolling four solid lines and fashing makes Maddie coming, that's Matt Martin, coming back in a tough call. Don't fix if not broke. And look, Lou Lamarillo has said all along there will be a spot on the island if Zach Parisi chooses to play. And yes, Elliot Freeman did uh, report that uh, uh, that Zach Parisi has been skating and skating hard in Minnesota. It certainly seems like he's gearing up for a return. And this was always sort of the timeline that everyone had kind of hypothesized about, that it would be a December, January return. And it certainly seems like if it's going to happen, that's going to be it. I did ask Lou Lamarillo uh, the other night, whether there was any deadline or, or set deadlines where, you know, afterwards the Islanders could not sign Zach Parisi, and, and he said no. He he said, you know, whenever Zach is ready to go, uh, and again, I, you know, I don't want to put words in Lou's mouth because I asked him specifically about NHL procedure, and we were using, you know, uh, Zach is an example. So he was not saying that, you know, he was about to re-sign Zach because he would never say that. Uh, again, at the beginning of the year, he said if Zach Parisi, you know, there there would always be a roster spot for him. And I take Lou at his word for that, given his trust and, and love for Zach Parisi. And look, I... So, no, there there's not a deadline. It's not like, you know, um, if he's not signed by Christmas, he's never coming back. Nothing like that. Um, no, no, no hurdles for Zach Parisi to rejoin the Islanders. I, I have thought all along it's going to happen. I, I think Zach, uh, you know, is getting to spend about a half year with his wife and small kids. And then, you know, he'll be on Long Island because his family doesn't join him and didn't join him the two years he played for the team, which was very lonely uh, for him. And you sort of forget about the human element of being an NHL player. But that certainly weighed on his mind uh, this offseason. But I think he comes back if it's a, 
you know, if he comes back in January, you're, you're hopefully talking about, you know, a five, six-month stint <laughs> with the team, right? And and I do think he'll help. He can help on the penalty kill. He, he'll get to the net. He'll play like an energizer buzzy, uh, bunny, like always. He'll pound in some goals at the net. And, you know, I, I think when he signs... Uh, He's going to go back on Jean-Gabriel Pajot's third line. And I would suspect, uh, given the way Simon Holmstrom is playing, that line would be Parisi, uh, Pajot, and then uh, Holmstrom would switch over to the right side. Um, and that would make one of either Hudson Fashing or Julian Gauthier uh, the odd man out. Um and that would be a very tough call, and it really could wind up being a rotation on those two. It probably, you know, who fits in better on the fourth line. That might be fashing at this point. He's played very well with Casey Sezikis and uh, Cal Clutterbuck. Um, you know, and of course, uh, as far as Oliver Wallstrom uh, is concerned, I, I see a very hard road for him to, to get back in this lineup. He's... He's really been given a, a ton of chances, and he has two goals and three assists in 17 games, and he just has not carved out a spot. And I, I think time is short for him to do that, and if Zach comes back, uh, I could see that being the end for uh, Wally. And, you know, maybe you see, because he's going to be a restricted free agent anyway, uh, maybe you see what you can get for him at that point. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on to Brut Brutus Roasting. Is the Islanders' resurgence for real, or are they just getting lucky? It seems like they're doing some things better, but still missing assignments here and there. And yeah, you know, that's hockey is a game of mistakes. Um, is the resurgence for real? I'm going to say yes, because I, I, I don't believe in teams getting this lucky. Um... I, I, I'm going to say it's for real because they were showing some signs of playing better before they started winning. So this is an outcrop of that. Um, so, you know, a, a, am I ready to say they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? I don't know if I'm there yet, uh, but there's still time to change my mind on that. Uh, Michael says, is there anything systematically behind the continued blown leads Seems like they go up by two quite often. It seems to always end up tied. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I don't think it's systematically, other than there have been a few times when the Islanders just kind of pulled back a little bit. I think that's that was not the case against Anaheim. Anaheim, like I said, was a, a few fluky goals there. Um, the Maple Leafs tied up with 6.4 seconds um, when the Islanders couldn't pot an empty netter. So, no, I don't think it's systematically, it, it, but the, the Islanders do need to continue to play aggressively or more aggressively after they do get a lead. Um, Thomas Boyle says, with the injuries on the Islanders' defense, um, instead of trading for players if a player becomes available via wa waivers, does it make more sense to claim them if there is enough cap space to do so? And yes, Thomas, you saw that uh, with Mike Riley, although it, it, it's sort of rare that, you know, a, a guy like Riley, you know, 
who's going to be able to step into the lineup like that. Usually the guys on waivers are, are really on waivers for a real reason. And, you know, Mike Riley was not playing with the Panthers, but he was not an over-the-hill, can't-play-anymore player. Um, so it, it's sort of a unique waiver claim there. Um, but yeah, you know, and every GM scours the waiver wire each day to see if they can improve their team. Um, and especially with the Pelic on LTIR, they, the Islanders can exceed the NHL salary cap ceiling of any 3.5 million by Pelic's cap hit of, uh, 5.8 million. So there is a little money to play with as long as Pelic remains on LTIR. St. James says, how much better would this team be if they could hit an empty net? Will Barzell ever be used when they are playing five against six? And I I spoke about that a little bit before. I I think, I I don't know if Lane's going to get over his reluctance to worry about Barzell blocking shots, you know, playing five against six. Um, But like I said, if they could hit an empty net, there's a legitimate chance they could either be tied or in first place right now. Um, Isles fan seven 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 says, "When fully healthy, who's your top six D men?" And it's an interesting question. You know, I, I've liked what Mike Riley has brought. He's a little bit of a risk reward. He likes he likes taking the puck down low, and uh, that leaves things a little bit loose sometimes up closer to the blue line. So there is a risk reward with Riley in the lineup. But I, I've liked what he brings, and he's playing. You know, he's got a shorthanded goal already. You can use him uh, as a, a power play quarterback. The knee jerk would be to say, well, you, you, the six top six D-men are the six you start the season with. And that would include Scott Mayfield, Pelik, Pulak, uh, Romanov, Aho, and Dobson. Um, right now, and, and I, I think it's a little bit unfair to judge because Scott Mayfield has been playing through an injury for most of the season, and now he's got another one. Um, so you're asking me when fully healthy. I mean, the Islanders, when fully healthy, are going to go to their top six. But it would be an interesting call to me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mayfield's a righty, Riley is a, uh, a lefty, so you'd have some issues there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would think about it at least. L.I. Strunk says... What do you see Lou looking to do as we get closer to the trade deadline? Any specific players you think will be available that you see as good fits on the squad? I've been saying this, I think, now for about three seasons. But, you know, if if the Sharks are going to trade Anthony Duclair, and I said this when the Duke was with the Panthers, he's got a $3 million salary cap hit. Um, and he can bring some offense. And, and he skates well. And he's also a big body. And uh, I... I would not mind seeing Anthony Duclair in an Islander jersey. I think he could help, um, even if Zach Parisi comes back. Um, you know, when you talk about trades, you know, if you can get a healthy Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak back in the lineup, uh, you know, for the last two months of the season, say, uh, last two and a half months, by, by the All-Star break, whenever, um, that's like a trade without having to give anything up, right? Um, look, I also know Lou Lamarillo loves Adam Henrique, who we just saw with the Ducks in, but Henrique's cap hit is $5.825 million. Uh, that might be, 
you know, because it becomes prorated and you accrue salary cap space. So maybe they could squeeze that in closer to the trade deadline on March 8th as a, as a pure depth rental, um, just because of, you know, lose feelings for Adam Henrique. But I, I don't know if that happens. Um, Kevin A. Fitzsimmons says, uh, how about we move out a D-man and get the Russian winger on the block in Vancouver? And that would be Andre Kuzmenko. Um, and look, you know, it, it, it's a very valid point. You, now you have Bortuzzo and Riley. And if Pelican and Pulak are coming back, and when Mayfield comes back and Ajo's back in, yeah, you're going to have, you know, possibly the ability to use either Riley or Bortuzzo as a trade chip. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think every... Every contender is always looking for defense help. So, yeah, there's, I think there's a very decent possibility Luke could flip one of them, especially if both of them are playing well, and, and so far, so good for those two. Um, now, Andre Kuzmenko, yeah, he, what did he score, 39 goals last season? Um, he is a very intriguing pro- prospect, or, you know, uh, the prospect of having him in the lineup would be very intriguing. Look, uh, he's not in Rick... Tockett's lineup right now because Rick Tockett is, you know, is on him about forechecking. And look, if if Andre Kuzmenko is finding it hard to play and forecheck for Rick Tockett, I think he, the, the same would certainly hold true with the Islanders playing under Lou Lamarillo and Lane Lambert. So on, on the other hand, there, 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 there would be a good support system here with, uh, you know, Alexander Romanov and Simeon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin in the, in the room. He, he might feel very comfortable here. And uh, uh, just a couple more here. <laughs> just uh, Liana Halik says, who do you think would win a fight? Simon Holmstrom or the showmiser from the year without a Santa Claus and I'm always taking the hockey player, and you know, and Simon for his baby face um, until he gets a little dental work sort of looks like a fighter a little bit. So I'll take Simon Holmstrom here, and then finally, only because I'm in a good new uh, good mood, we'll go to Nick from Brooklyn, New York, who asks, "What should I eat for lunch today?" And having come back from my annual physical. I'll tell you the same thing I was heard, you know, I was told by my doctor today. How about a salad, buddy? Anyway, listen, thanks for listening. You can find all of Newsday's Islanders material at newsday.com backslash Isles. Healthy holidays, happy new year, all of that. And also, happy hockey, everybody.